Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 30th episode of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm Chris Tripodi, alongside Tony Pauline, as always. And once again, we're live from Lad People Stadium in Mobile, Alabama, here to break down the North practice on the first day of this Senior Bowl here. Tony, you ready to get this going? I am. we got some bad weather moving into Mobile. Uh, tomorrow's in question. We'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. But we saw a lot of good things this afternoon from the North. Absolutely, and as usual, we'll go position by position here. We'll start with the quarterback position, where Daniel Jones of Duke, a guy who we've been hyping a lot on this podcast, looked very good today. The one thing you notice immediately with Daniel Jones is his mechanics. He's has got great mechanics. The trajectory of his short throws is very good. They're very catchable balls. He does struggle a bit on the deeper routes, at least he did today. Big windup on throwing deep balls on nine routes. His intermediate throws, though, get on receivers quickly. He's dropping dimes in between zone coverages and cover two on the sidelines to his tight ends. So overall, Daniel Jones looked good today. Ryan Finley also looked pretty good. The one thing about him, and the one thing that's always been true about him, is he'll throw his receivers open and he'll throw them into yards after catch opportunities. He showed that again in practice today. Plenty of zip on his intermediate throws. But again, on the balls downfield, the balls fluttered a little bit. They didn't quite get there as quickly as we would like them to, as we discussed in our preview podcast where we said Ryan Finley's really going to have to show the ability to drive those deep passes. He had a couple times where he was rolling out, whether he set his feet or not, where he would throw the ball behind his receiver. So it was sort of an up-and-down day for Finley, but overall a decent performance. Tony, we have Drew Locke and Trace McSorley here as well. I'll let you go in on them as well as the guys I just discussed. Well, first of all, McSorley just looks small. I mean, even even in the huddle, he looks small. He made some nice throws today. He competed. I still don't think he's NFL material, but to his credit, he was out there, and he gave it all he got. Drew Locke, you know, we got what we saw from Drew Locke. What impressed me about Drew Locke is he's got a short, compact throwing motion. The ball immediately gets out of his hand and quickly gets to the receiver. He did make a lot of nice throws today, but he also missed on a few. So still some inconsistency from Drew Locke. I do agree with you what you said about Daniel Jones. Uh, he's got a big windup, and sometimes that he puts too much air in it, that deep pass. And he doesn't drive it down the field, although he did outthrow Jacoby Myers, and he did have a couple of other receivers who were wide open. He got the ball downfield. Overall, I thought it was a big day for Daniel Jones. He needs a big week to really vault himself to, to the top half of round one. I don't know that he did that today, but he shows he has that ability. We'll see what happens the next two days of practice. Yeah, and I saw the same as you saw with Locke. He's definitely a guy that will impress you and make some wild throws, and he's definitely a guy that will struggle at times with consistency. If you heard that horn in the background, again, we're live here, so forgive any background noise as we move into the running back position here where we have Memphis's Tony Pollard, Notre Dame's Dexter Williams, and Michigan's Karan Higdon. One thing that impressed me about Higdon is his burst through the hole. Uh, he really gets into that hole quickly and, and can set himself up to make plays. He's not the biggest back, so he's not the kind of guy that is going to carry the ball a lot between the tackles, but he does show the ability to hopefully get to the second level. As far as receiving with these backs goes, which is one of the big things that you can see in the senior bowl environment, I'd say Pollard was the best receiver out of all of them. That's his game. He's a receiver. He's a returner. He's not a guy that's going to run between the tackles. Dexter Williams, really awkward 
as a receiver. Dropped an easy check down from Drew Locke early. Awkward tracking the ball over his shoulder. He did make the catch, but it looked kind of forced. Higdon, on the other hand, not really a natural receiver. Has to look the ball all the way in before transitioning into yards after catch. So overall, this wasn't the most impressive day for the running backs on the north. What did you think, Tony? Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I mean, the only thing I, I saw about Dexter Williams that I like was he's got some good short area quickness. He was able to squeeze through the small openings, showed some ability to create on the inside, although, you know, the linebackers here really don't hit the, uh, the tackle in the middle of the field, but I still like his short area quickness. Really not too much to speak about from the backs on the north side today. Now, we do have a lot to speak about from the wide receivers on the north. Now, there may not be the same level of high-end talent when you have a guy like Debo Samuel on the south, but there were some things to note on the north. Andy Isabella is a guy that we've talked about numerous times on this podcast, and he played to expectations today. He did have an early drop, but he bounced back quickly, showed the fact that he has natural hands in awkward and strange positions where you may not necessarily expect him to come away with passes, but he does so. There was one play where he absolutely embarrassed Utah safety Mark. Marquise Blair put him on space with I don't even want to call it a triple move route because there were about four route cuts but it happened in the span of five seconds he has extremely quick feet and he's an extremely good mover when it comes to the routes the North team also tried the best that they could to get him in space whether it was on reverses whether it was on screens he's a very nifty runner in the open field and that showed through today a guy I wanted to focus on is Alex Wesley he had an up and down practice he had moments where he looked good where he was able to separate and then he had other moments where he really struggled to separate he did a nice job extending to make catches away from his body. He was able to get away from safeties with good hand punch early in his routes. He was able to win on crossing routes and in-breaking routes as well. He had a slow start, picked it up, but then at the end of the practice, he had a pass hit him right in the helmet. It was a good throw from Drew Locke. He went to the ground. Ball just hit him right in the helmet and just overall an iffy day from Alex Wesley. Saw some good things, saw some bad things, so he's really going to have to clean things up. Two other guys I wanted to mention here are Terry McLaurin from Ohio State and Jacoby Myers from NC State. McLaurin probably led the practice in receptions. Did he lead the practice in impact receptions, though? No, he made a lot of catches, but I didn't really see anything that stood out to me as far as something that's going to translate that well to the NFL level. He was a little stiff when reaching for passes behind him. So overall, while it was a productive day for McLaurin, I didn't see too much in terms of projection that got me particularly excited. Now, when it comes to Jacoby Myers, another up-and-down type of performance. He had a bad drop on his slant pass thrown right in stride early in the practice. He was unable to chase down a deep ball from Daniel Jones that when Jones released the pass, I said, wow, that's a nice ball. That's a touchdown. And it ended up about five to seven yards beyond Myers, who really just couldn't run to the deep ball there. He does get separation. He beat Chris Boyd a couple times to the inside. He had a nice double move late in practice where he made a real sharp 90-degree cut on an inside route to beat Amon Marshall from USC. So he put some good things on tape too. Hopefully he continue that, can continue that through the rest of the week. Tony, what did you think of the receiver position? I did like the Wesley kid from Northern Colorado. I agree with you. He was up and down, but the fact is, is you look at the division he played in, you look at the fact is at the senior ball. I thought early on he ran good routes, caught the ball well. You know, he did have some moments where he didn't look all that all that well, but still, overall, I think he got scouts talking. I would agree with you on Jacoby Myers. I'm disappointed in him. I had him highly rated. Uh, he's a guy who caught a nice touchdown pass at the end, but really, uh, for the most part of practice, for at least three quarters, he didn't show the great speed. He was dropping a few throws. As far as the tight ends are concerned, I thought Drew Sample had a solid day. He's a big guy. He catches the ball well. He's more of a blocking tight end. You're not going to ask him to stretch the seam or get 20 yards down the field to make big plays, but he is what he is. 
He's a short area pass catcher who's a, a very effective blocker. Similar situation with Tommy Sweeney. Good all-around player at the tight end position. Uh, a guy who did well in blocking, caught the ball very well, but again, he's not a big-time sprinter who's going to outrun uh, safeties down the field uh, and, and create mismatches. I thought that the, uh, the kid from uh, Stetson, Parnum, uh, caught the ball relatively well. First of all, he looks almost like a, an, an NBA power, an NBA forward on the field. He's got skinny, skinny legs and a, and a long upper body. Uh, he takes a while to get it going off the line of scrimmage, but when he does, he's tough to stop. And he's, a, he's so so much bigger than everyone else, he's able to get up in the crowd and come down with the ball. I thought it was a good showing for him, but you just look at his bill with those skinny legs, and you think this is a guy that's probably going to be destined for the practice squad at the next level. Yeah, from a receiving standpoint, I would agree that Parham is the most intriguing guy. As you mentioned, he's got built-up speed. The acceleration isn't really there, but that's because he's six foot eight. He has long legs, and it's just going to take him a while to get going. But he does know how to play to his strengths. He'll stop his route a little bit early and attack the ball in the air, knowing that he's six eight. And if he gets to that ball first, there's nobody that's going to take it away from him. On the other hand, Drew Sample, very slow, very lumbering, but a blocking tight end who's able to catch the ball. He's going to be a guy that you can hit him on dump offs. You can hit him on check downs, but he's never going to be a guy, as as Tony alluded to, to stretch the seam. Tommy Sweeney's a little bit more of an in-between between the two. He's not quite as athletic as Parham, but he's not quite as slow as Sample. So I'm very intrigued to see what Sweeney can do as a two-way player and a possible second or third tight end at the next level. We'll move along here to the offensive line. I wasn't able to see too much of this, but Tony had his eyes in the trenches all practice. Tony, what'd you see down there? I was very impressed with Eric McCoy, the center from Texas A&M. As I said on Twitter, he's not Elton Jenkins of Mississippi State, who had a great practice earlier for the South, but he's real darn close. He was powerful. He was explosive. He's nasty. I mean, he really looks to finish off opponents. A couple times, he pancaked the guys he was playing against. He's also good on the second level. Showed the ability to quickly get out to the second level, redirect the linebackers, and take them from the action. It was good practice for Chris Lindstrom. Sort of like McCoy, that he's a nasty guy. Blocks with solid fundamentals. Good power, not as fluid on his feet when you compare it to McCoy. More of a small area blocker, but he also showed a lot. I thought it was an outstanding day for Chuma Edoga, who played left tackle for the USC. Showed good footwork, showed the ability to slide laterally. Very good with his hands, got him up into defenders, rode him from their angle attack. Rarely got beat today. Really looked good in the one-on-ones, especially in pass protection. I thought Max Sharping of Northern Illinois had a good, uh, good day. Fundamentally sound. Sharping's the kind of guy that if he gets the first step, if he gets into blocks before the defender was able to get the first step on him, he won out, and he won out consistently. A couple times when the opponents were able to get the first step on him, he struggled. He doesn't have great strength at the point of attack. We saw him at weigh-ins this morning. Uh, looks like a guy who needs a lot of work in the weight room, but I thought overall it was a solid day for, for Sharping. A uh, couple guys who didn't do too well, Garrett Bradbury, who was getting beat up at center. I thought both uh, Wisconsin uh, offensive linemen, Ben Schwagel and, and Michael Dieter struggled, and it was really an awful day for Darryl Reisner. He lined up at right tackle solely, was not used at garter center, and was constantly getting beaten one-on-ones. It got beaten back-to-backs by Zach Allen and then uh, L.J. Collier of uh, 
uh, of TCU. Also got beat by McKins uh, Comiskey of uh, the, the small school player uh, from Charleston in West Virginia, where he wasn't able to sustain the block. Comiskey got off it, made, made a nice change of direction, and that got down the line of scrimmage and uh, made the play. So Reisner, who's much debated, much talked about, and we, we mentioned him in our preview, uh, as I've stated a couple times, scouts have given him late-round grades. There are some people who think he's a first-round pick. I have him graded as a fifth-rounder. He looked more like a fifth, sixth-rounder today. Was used, again, solely at right tackle. He's not used at any other position. Let's see what happens moving through the rest of the week. Now, we'll get to the defense shortly, but again, if you like what we're putting out here and, and you want to be continued to get informed, whether it's the Senior Bowl, whether it's the Combine, whatever it may be, please support the Draft Analyst by subscribing on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, whichever your preferred podcast app is. Leave us a rating and a review, and of course, feel free to ask us questions in the review, or you can always tweet us questions at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcasts to get in touch with the show as well. We'll move to the other side of the line of scrimmage here and we'll talk about the defensive lineman tony what'd you see from some of the guys on the defensive side absolutely dominant day from Renell Ren of Arizona State. Lined up a defensive tackle and basically destroyed all comers. He was the only guy that beat Eric McCoy of Texas A&M. He ran rush shot over Garrett Bradbury on consecutive downs. It got to the point where they were double teaming Ren and they could not stop him. Showed great power, showed great explosion and, and some athleticism. We spoke about Ren in our preview to the Senior Bowl and I'll say what I, what I I'll be redundant and, and repeat what I said back then. He's a guy that doesn't have a lot of stats but was asked to occupy blocks at Arizona State and let his teammates run to the ball and make plays. Today he showed the ability to make plays. He was getting a lot of penetration and it was through a variety of ways. Showed great power in his lower body, good hand technique, outstanding quickness and explosion. It was a solid day for Kellen Saunders of Western Illinois who made a, a few nice plays. Greg Gaines of Washington also had a solid day. Anthony Nelson of Iowa got better and better as the day proceeded. Showed good, showed good explosion, showed some quickness, showed some power off the edge, was primarily used at defensive end when I watched him. Uh, started off slow, but by the end of the day, he was one of the better defensive linemen. I was very impressed with Brian Cowart of Maryland. Strong, powerful guy, con consistently bull-rushed opponents. I want to see him uh, basically improve his repertoire of moves, but he's got the power, he's got the size. I also thought it was a terrific day from L.J. Collier of Texas Christian TCU. Uh, showed great quickness, more of an edge rusher, very explosive, terrific hand technique, showed a lot of fundamentals, a lot of moves getting off blocks. I thought overall it was a real good day for many of the uh, defensive linemen from the north. And it's good to hear that about Rennell Wren because this is a scenario where he's in a situation to perform and to make plays where, as Tony said, he wasn't really put in those positions with the Sun Devils. So it's good to see him come here and really show out in a situation like that. We'll move to the second level here. Tony, what did you see from the linebackers? Jermaine Pratt of North Carolina State had an outstanding performance. I mentioned him this morning during weigh-ins. He was very impressive. A, a nice build. We mentioned him during our preview. I mean, he's got great measurables. He's got great size. He runs in the four sixes. He played to that. He made a lot of plays in pursuit today, a lot of plays in space. A smart, instinctive linebacker who is constantly around the action. 
another guy like that, uh, Trayvon Coney, was more athletic than I thought, a lot quicker than I thought, a lot more explosive, looked good in weigh-ins. Again, a guy who was constantly around the ball making plays. Sutton Smith kind of struggled. He looked good in drills. He looked good moving in reverse, looked good moving laterally when he was against air. Uh, really didn't stand out in scrimmage. When they used him as a pass rusher standing up over tackle, he got beat by McGarry of, of Washington on back-to-back plays. Tried the same move on McGarry and, and was just beaten into the ground by the uh, Washington tackle. So again, I mean, he's a work in progress. You're going to have to wait and see what happens. Uh, he came out here and competed, uh, but overall, there's a lot of room for improvement for Sutton Smith. Now we'll take this to the secondary here, and the main player that impressed me in the secondary was cornerback Corey Ballantyne from Washburn. He was, to me, hands down the best cornerback on the field here. Early on, he was beat deep by Terry McLaurin for a touchdown, but after that, he was nearly flawless, showed good physicality to stay with McLaurin, allowed the catch, but still made a good play and was tight in coverage there. More tight coverage on Alex Wesley, almost actually intercepted a pass there, showed the ability to stay with receivers downfield. So I saw a complete game from Corey Ballantyne today. Maybe there were some early jitters with the jump in competition early in practice, but if he continues at this rate the rest of the week, watch out for his draft stock to really soar here. One guy that I was not impressed with was Texas's Chris Boyd. Now he shows good closing speed, but he loses receivers at the stem. He's allowing separation from tight coverage. He's getting beat inside. He was getting beat on crossers. It was a really tough day for Boyd. He didn't do very well sticking with receivers. Also a tough day for Penn State cornerback Omari Oruware. He fell down. He had trouble keeping his feet at times attempted a pass breakup at one point, overran it, and didn't keep his back arm back to make the tackle. Ends up being a big play for the offense. Amon Marshall from USC was a late add into the game. He started the practice well, ended up facing Alex Wesley a lot, stayed tight with him, had a pass breakup on a slant route, good coverage downfield on Wesley as well. But later on in the practice, in 11-on-11s, he was beat by Wesley to the corner. He was beat by Jacoby Myers to the inside. So Amon Marshall started the practice well, in seven and seven on sevens and drills but once it went to 11 on 11 he really struggled there as for the safeties again like running backs like linebackers sometimes it's difficult to kind of see them in this kind of all-star setting but I wasn't terribly impressed at least today with Will Harris or Kyrie Willis both of them were struggling in coverage against the tight ends not necessarily saying as close to guys like uh, Sample and Sweeney that they should considering the lack of athleticism we discussed from those tight ends Marquise Blair as I mentioned before when I was talking about Andy is Isabella was absolutely embarrassed in coverage on that one play. Didn't see too much negative or positive from him. Otherwise, two players that did flash to me at the safety position were Darnell Savage and Nasir Adderley. Now, Savage, in drills, early on in practice, he was excellent in coverage, was able to prevent throws from even being attempted on him when he was covering the tight ends, whether it was Sample, whether it was Sweeney, even Parham. So Savage did a very nice job early in practice, didn't get beat later on in the 11-on-11s, Adderley is the guy I really want to talk about because he actually was able to show out against the run in this All-Star game, which is a very tough thing to do. He showed good discipline. He was lined up in the box a bit, didn't over-pursue, would see a pile and would wait and sorry, would wait for the pile to break so that he's there to make a tackle if something were to happen. He had good run fits. He really showed a good level of awareness in the running game. So I was impressed with Adderley. Would like to see him more throughout the week and what he can do in coverage and against the pass. 
Tony, now that we've gone over both the offense and the defense here, who are your winners from this practice here? Well, first I got to reiterate what you said about Ballantyne. I mean, he was terrific today. Fundamentally outstanding. Good back pedal, good uh, hip turn, smooth in transition. What I really liked about it, his about his game today in practice was his ability to get his head back around, locate the ball in the air, and position himself against the defender to make a, a play on the ball. Uh, a couple times you probably would have gotten call for penalties, but overall it was a great day for Ballantyne. And as we talked about in our senior bowl preview, Dominique Rogers, Cromartie, Rasheen Mathis. The senior bowl has been a showcase for small school cornerbacks, more school small school defensive backs to really improve their draft stock. It looks like Ballantyne is on his way. As far as the big winner today, defensively, it's got to be Renell Wren. I, like I said, he was unstoppable. Even when they double teamed him, he was getting a lot of push up the field. He was a constant nuisance. And it was the fact that if he, if he wasn't sacking the quarterback, he was getting enough pressure up the field that the quarterback would have to leave the pocket and feel uncomfortable. Offensively, it's got to be Eric McCoy, one of the few uh, one of the few guys who was able to at least try to at least slow down Renell Wren, although Wren got the better of him. But McCoy played with great fundamentals. I've always had him highly rated. I was told that a couple of teams from the advisory committee did give Eric McCoy second round grades, which is why he came out. Some of them said go back to school, but a lot of teams gave him second round grades. Really proved proved and displayed himself as a second day selection here. For my winners, we just discussed Valentine at length, so I won't go into too much detail here, but defensively on the back end, he was a definite winner. Offensively, the two guys I would take here would be Daniel Jones and Andy Isabella, two guys we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, but Jones came out and showed exactly what he needed to do. You can see he's been well coached, so he's going to be able to make the transition to the NFL level, hopefully quickly. If he doesn't, that doesn't necessarily bode too well for him down the line because he is a polished player. He is a guy who has taken to that coaching with David Cutliffe, Cutcliffe at Duke, and he's a guy that should be ready to take on a role at the NFL. And Andy Isabella, it's really difficult to look past what the North coaching staff did trying to get him the ball. They ran reverses. They ran screens. They got him open in the short field. They're really trying to put the ball in his hands, and he performed to that today, so he really comes out of this a big-time winner. Before we finish off, let me just say that uh, well, there may not be a practice tomorrow because there were some big storms heading into Mobile. Uh, there's supposed to be rain all day and some lightning. The talk now is they may move it into an indoor facility used by uh, Alabama State football, which will make Titus Howard uh, happy. And the facility is so small, I'm told that they may allow only two representatives from each team uh, into the facility to watch practice because there's no room for anyone else. So we'll keep you updated. Watch us on Twitter. Hopefully somehow the storms pass or there's no lightning or the storms are not as bad as uh, they presently predict. Uh, I've been in this situation before where they've had uh, practice inside the Alabama Convention Center uh, because it was too bad to practice outside. Uh, it's going to be an adventure tomorrow, but watch us on Twitter. We'll let you know what happens. And that's it for the 30th episode of The Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? Go over to draftanalyst.com for our risers from today, and we'll continue to cover the practices as best as we can throughout the week. Obviously, Tony mentioned the weather. That's a little bit out of our control, so hopefully we are able to get the practice tomorrow and, and give you the news that you want to hear. But for now, this is Chris Tripodi signing off. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. 
Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.